And let's look to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning that we can come together around your word. And Lord, we thank you that as believers we have this privilege and we thank you for the freedom we have in this country to be able to join together, to spend time in the word of God, to explore its precious truths, to be able to have you come through your word and speak to us and challenge us, reveal to us, Father God, your divine truth that might strengthen us, encourage us, and enable us as believers as we serve you in this world. Lord, as we take time now to come apart from the busy schedules of this world to spend some time in your word, we pray that, Lord, today we would indeed be blessed of you, we'd be encouraged by you, and that, Lord, that you'd be exalted and lifted up Lord, as always, you give me wisdom from on high. Lord, I would be your servant today, used of you to your glory. And that, Father, as we leave this place, we might know that we've been in your presence and we might be able to leave rejoicing, having been blessed by your word. As God, now we pray as we study together in Jesus' name. Amen. In Romans chapter 8 so far, we've seen that Romans chapter 8 is the declaration of the believer's uh, freedom. And first we saw there was a declaration of the believer's freedom from judgment, or there is no condemnation. We then saw that it was the believer's declaration from defeat, there was no obligation. And last week we started to look at the third of these declarations, the believer's declaration of freedom from discouragement, there is no frustration, here in Romans 8, 18 to 30. We saw that the concept of future glory in relation to our present sufferings as believers becomes the theme of Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 30. The afflictions which you and I as believers are called upon to endure come because you and I are the children of God. But more than that, God has a plan for us. God has a purpose in our sufferings. He is using our present sufferings to pair us and fit us out for glory. And so the apostle explains to us in Romans chapter 8 verse 18 to 30 that no matter what the discouragements may be, that no matter what the suffering may be, no matter what the trials may be that you and I encounter in this life, one day it will be worth it all. And this confidence is based not just on theory, but this confidence is based upon our relationship to the indwelling Holy Spirit, who we have seen defeats sin. We have seen that the Holy Spirit gives strength. We've seen the Holy Spirit gives sonship. And last week we saw that in the Christian suffering, the Holy Spirit gives salvation or hope. Now today we see that in the Christian suffering, the Spirit of God also gives support in verses 26 and 27, likewise the Spirit also helped our infirmities. But we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. In these verses, we come to a fresh statement as to the work of the Holy Spirit. Now we know it's a fresh statement about the work of the Holy Spirit because the verse 
26 starts out with the word likewise. And that word likewise connects us back to what he's been talking about in the previous verses, 18 to 25. And it reminds us that the apostle has been talking about the Holy Spirit and now what he's going to do is he's going to go and add something to what he's just been saying. Add something to the work of the Spirit and the place of tribulations and trials in the life of the believer and how we can overcome in the midst of difficulty. Here we're given additional information as to how the Holy Spirit helps you and helps me in the midst of trials, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of the difficulties of life. And so firstly, we see here, the Spirit helps our infirmities. Verse 26, likewise the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Spirit helps our infirmities. You know, while you and I are in this body, while you and I exist this side of glory, one of the realities of life is that you and I have to cope with the consequence of the fall. It's all around us. We can't escape the consequences of the fall. And that's what he's been talking about in these previous verses where creation groans within itself. And we as believers groan within ourselves. You and I have to deal with the consequence of the fall. And because of this we groan while we wait for the redemption of our body. You and I have to endure the curse while we wait for the rapture. And it's due to this that Paul now talks about the Spirit helping our infirmities. Now he starts out the verse by saying, likewise the Spirit. Likewise. The word likewise there means in the same manner. So the question that arises, or at least arose in my mind, is this. Then, in what is the same manner? In the same manner as what? If likewise means in the same manner, therefore, what does likewise the Spirit, what is the Spirit doing here that's like the same manner? Well, the answer to that is verse 23. So not only they, but we, but ourselves also, which, are, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. The answer is that as we groan within ourselves, the Spirit of God also groans. In the same manner as we groan within ourselves, the Spirit of God groans within himself for us. And that's because God is concerned about the trials and tribulations of his children. God's spirit groans within himself because he cares for you and me. Now we know that Jesus wept. We can illustrate this by the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus wept when he saw Mary and the Jews weeping at the tomb of Lazarus in John chapter 11, verses 33 and 34. You know, there he came to the tomb of Lazarus and uh, Mary and Martha were upset and they'd said to Jesus, Mary said to Jesus, if he'd been here, he would not have died. And, and then it says, as he saw them weeping of Mary and Martha and the Jews, Jesus wept. He showed compassion on them. Now, there is another verse, Mark, please, Mark chapter 7, that expresses this attitude of Christ's heart towards you and I, 
Mark chapter 7. And uh, the verse we want to look at is actually verse 34, but we're going to pick up the, th the story in verse 31. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came under the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of the Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had impediments in speech, in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears and spat and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephrathah, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. Verse 34, and looking up to heaven, he sighed. The Lord is said to have sighed. Now this word sigh is an inward groan. He groaned within himself. As he saw the plight of this young man, or this older man, this man before him who uh, could not speak, as he saw the plight of this man, he sighed within himself. The word sigh is the word groan. It's the same Greek word as is used in Romans chapter 8 and verse 23. Now in Mark, it is used to describe the Lord's compassionate response to the pain and sorrow of an individual, but his, pain, his, his response to the pain and suffering brought into the world because of the curse. Because of sin and the curse, this man was suffering, and Christ sighs within himself, groaned within himself, because of the suffering of this man. He shows compassion towards him. So here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, where it says, likewise the Spirit also. It's speaking about the fact that it describes how concerned God is for our, uh, our present and eternal welfare. As we groan within ourselves under the burden and the weight of the uh, fall, so too does the Spirit of God groan for us. In Romans 8.26, this word likewise means the Spirit feels with us when we suffer. When you and I are going through tribulations, He groans. When you and I go through suffering, He groans. When you and I are going through all sorts of manner of things that are brought on because of the fall, where you and I are groaning along with creation, He sighs, He groans with you and I. But he does more than groan with us and for us. Because not only does he groan, but he helps us. Look in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Now the Greek word helpeth is a word rich and wonderful in meaning. It's made up of three words. The first word means together. The second word means over against. And the third word means to take. So to put all that together, this phrase, so, uh, so he helpeth us, means that one person gives a helping hand to another by taking hold of the load that he is carrying. One commentator gave this illustration. Think of a man struggling to carry some heavy load 
And almost at the point of collapsing, suddenly someone comes along and says, let me hold, uh, let me get hold of the other end of your load. So instead of the man having to carry the whole burden himself, the other who comes along takes hold of the other end. Now they together proceed to carry this load that was too much for the one man acting alone. That's the picture here. That's the picture here. The Spirit of God identifies, sees our need, He sees our struggles, He sees our turmoil, He sees what we're going through, and He comes alongside, and that's why I sang the Comforter has come this morning, why we had those with Him. He comes alongside and He says, Here, let me share the load with you. The Spirit of God wants to share the load. He groans within himself, but he is more than groaning. He says, okay, I understand how hard this is. I understand the burden you're carrying. Let me share the load. The Holy Spirit supports us. He takes hold of and aids our infirmities, our frailty, our weaknesses, our imperfections. Likewise, the Spirit also help with our infirmities. The word infirmities infirmities here is actually a singular word, not a plural word, and it's really, it probably should be translated, our infirmity. Because the implication here is it's not just talking about a particular infirmity. These infirmities he's talking about right now, which is the matter of prayer and the struggle, the, the groaning. But what he's trying to convey to you and I is that it's not just some specific infirmity that we don't know how to pray but it's the general gist of infirmity that you and I are all going through infirmity we are groaning under the weight of the fall we're groaning under the struggle of the flesh we're groaning under all of this and so this is a describing general weakness for us that we have in our spiritual life and our spiritual walk. The commentator said, the spirit of God which dwells in us, by whom we are led, who is the spirit of adoption to us, who has witnessed to our spirits that we are the children of God whose first fruits we have received over and above and besides what he has done for us also helpeth our infirmity. That's the work of the spirit. Now, we all have infirmity. We all have struggle in this life. And we will have struggle in this life till we get to glory. But praise the Lord. You and I as believers have the indwelling Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us, supports us, comes alongside and says, Here, let me help you carry the load. The verse then goes on to tell us how the Spirit supports us because it says this in verse 26 likewise the spirit also helps their infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered for we know not what we should pray for as we are ought now it's not the matter that you and I don't know that we should pray I don't think as a believer in the world who doesn't know that one of the things we should do as believers is pray. It's not even a matter of the fact that we don't know how to pray. 
Because if you've been saved for any length of time, you know the Bible teaches a lot on how to pray. So this verse is not saying the Spirit helps us know how to pray or helps us know that we should pray. But the verse tells us that it's that we don't know how to ask for the right things when we pray. We don't know what to pray for. We don't know what we should be asking for in prayer. There are times in our life, in the midst of difficulties, as we struggle under the burden of the fall, that you and I really do not know for what we should pray. We know we should pray. We know how we should pray, but we have no clue what we're supposed to be asking God for because we don't know God's will. See, this problem arises partly from the fact that we don't know everything. For we have to walk by faith and not by sight. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us. And because you and I don't know everything, because you and I do not know the beginning from the end, because you and I do not know what God is seeking to accomplish by that particular trial, by that particular suffering, by that particular difficulty, whatever it might be that we're encountering because of the consequence of the fall, because you and I don't know what God's will is, we don't know the beginning from the end, we're living by faith and not by sight, then you and I do not know how we ought to pray. What is it we're supposed to ask for? It's in these circumstances that we can find very difficult for us to know what to pray for. I'm sure we've all been there. Got down before the Lord in prayer and have no clue what it is we're supposed to be asking the Lord for. We know that we need to pray. We know that we, how we ought to pray, but we have no clue what it is that we're supposed to be asking God for with regard to this prayer. What is it? What is the will of God in this matter? But the good news is this, that the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. That's on behalf of us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, the original word intercession here in verse 26 is to be rescued by one who happens on one who is in trouble and who acts on his behalf. Or as illustrated by a commentator, think of a man walking along the road who suddenly comes upon a poor man in terrible trouble. He's been charged with an offense. He's in great difficulty. He's trying to defend himself. The man who arrives on the scene now begins to plead on behalf of the troubled man, either to his master, who may be beating him, or to the magistrate, or to the king, or to whomsoever it was that he had brought the charge against the poor man. In other words, he makes intercession for him. He pleads his case. It's what the Spirit of God does when you and I go through trials and suffering and tribulations and difficulties in life, when you and I are suffering under the burden of the fall, and you and I have no idea what it is we should be praying for, the Spirit of God comes along and he pleads our case before the Lord. In the midst of our struggle with the leftovers of the fall, with the struggle in the flesh, with indwelling sin and the pull of the law of sin, the pull of the flesh and the curse, we have this promise, beloved, that while we patiently wait for the redemption of the body, our glorification, God's Spirit, 
is supporting us in prayer. And in all those areas where we're unable to help ourselves, he helps our infirmity. So we go to the Lord in prayer, and we say, Lord, I have no idea why this is happening to me. I don't know what this struggle is all about, but I do know, Lord, that you have a purpose in it all. And the Spirit of God groans within himself, and he lets the Lord know what it is. He helps our infirmity. He helps the Lord know what we should be praying for because we don't know what God's will is, but he does, as we will see. And what a blessing. He intercedes for us in the necessary things that we ought to pray for, but cannot due to our weakness and our ignorance. He intercedes on our behalf. He pleads our case before the throne of God and our behalf when you and I are going through difficulties in life. He is like an advocate pleading our case. And note what it says in verse 26. It says, Likewise the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We know it groans for us because that's the word likewise at the beginning of this verse. So we know the Spirit of God groans for us. The Spirit of God sighs when you and I go through troubles. But now we're told that he intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now there's no difficulty with you and I understanding the word groanings. We understand that word. In fact, we've already explained it. He feels our suffering. He struggles. He knows what we're going through. He sighs within himself. He feels with compassion towards us. When you and I are going through these struggles in our life, we can't seem to find the answer. He is groaning with us. But what does it mean which cannot be uttered? Which cannot be uttered. Well, the phrase, which cannot be uttered, simply means without words or not formulated in words. It's a groaning. It's a sighing. You know, it's a... It's an expression, and we can do that internally. Not been uttered. It's not words. It's not expressed in words. It's not given an expression in forms of words. Here we're told the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that even he cannot express. You and I are going through struggles of life, the difficulties of life, the, the creation is groaning under the burden of the fall, and so are we. We are suffering the consequence of that in our flesh, in our daily walk, and go through the struggles and trials of this life. And you and I are groaning within ourselves. We are sighing within ourselves under the burden, and we don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. And the Spirit of God comes alongside and helps us, and he puts his arm around us, so to speak, and he sighs with us. And then he intercedes for us before the groan of grace with groanings which cannot be uttered. He just groans. As he is grieved by our sin, 
he groans. As he sees our struggle, he groans. As he sees us strive through the difficulties of life, he groans. He stands before the throne of God as our advocate, and he groans with us. Pretty spectacular picture, isn't it? You know, the imagery here. I don't know if you can see it, but there's the imagery here. We are groaning. He is groaning with us. And then he goes before the throne and he simply groans. We all have infirmity. We all have struggles with knowing what to pray for. But the good news is that the Spirit groans on our behalf. With groanings which cannot be uttered. And so, secondly, we see this morning, he groans on our behalf, and by his groanings, secondly, the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Look in verse 27. It says, He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Romans 8:27 tells us how the Spirit, by groaning, how the Spirit, by not uttering these concerns, by not vocalizing these concerns, still manages to intercede for us. How does a groaning Spirit before the throne of God help us in our infirmities? How does a groaning Spirit, as our advocate before the throne of God, intercede for us? If he's not saying anything, how in the world does that help us? Well, verse 8, 27 explains it to us. It says, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The word he in he that searcheth the hearts is God the Father. So God the Father, who searches hearts, searcheth the heart of the Spirit. Okay? And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit. So the Lord, God the Father, who searches our hearts, searches the mind of the Spirit. He were told that God the Father knows what's in the Spirit's mind. That is, God the Father reads the Spirit's mind. Now, of course, this should not come as a surprise to us because God the Spirit is God equally as God the Father. You know, we believe in one God eternally existing, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Therefore, what's in the mind of the Spirit is also in the mind of the Father. So it seems like a pretty obvious statement, but it's a statement that God makes to us. He says, God the Father knows the mind of the Spirit. We're reminded of this truth here that should be pretty obvious to us to let us know that the Father understands the Spirit's intercession for the saints even though we ourselves cannot hear it. We're groaning. We have no idea how we ought to pray. The Spirit of God says, come, on, come alongside, let me help you. 
I'll help you carry the load and I am going to sigh with you, I'm going to groan with you and I'll go before the throne and I will intercede on your behalf and I'll do with groanings that cannot be uttered and God says to us here, understand this, that even though you and I cannot hear what the Spirit is saying to the Father, the Father knows what the Spirit is asking. The Father knows the desires, the groanings of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need those desires to be expressed in words. He does not need the eloquence of language in order to induce response from the hearing. Even though the Spirit does not speak, He knows what the Spirit desires. And what the Spirit desires is that he desires the will of God be done in our lives. That's what verse 27 says. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We know that for prayer to be answered, it must be in accordance with God's will. That's what 1 John 5.14 says. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So in order for our prayers to be heard, they have to be in accordance with the will of God. The problem is that you and I don't know what God's will is in many circumstances. So you and I have an infirmity. You and I don't know what to pray for as we ought. The Spirit of God comes alongside and says, I understand. I'm groaning with you. I'm sighing with you. I understand what you're going through. He goes before the throne of grace and with, it makes it a sense for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And God the Father knows what's in the mind of the Spirit. And what's in the mind of the Spirit is that God's will will be done so that he might indeed answer our prayers. Because this is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. God hears the Spirit because the Spirit desires the will of God to be done in our lives. See, sometimes we don't know what we should pray for, even though we should know we should pray according to God's will. Now, I don't think I'm Robinson Crusoe here. There are times where I have no idea what God's will is. You're stuck in the middle of something, you think, what in the world is God doing? I just wish he would come and stand at the foot of my bed and just spell it out for me. Tell me what's going on, because I have no idea... I know I need to pray. I know I need to pray in God's will, but I have no idea what God's will is. How in the world can I pray in God's will if I don't know what God's will is? Well, the Spirit of God intercedes on my behalf before the throne of God with groanings which cannot be uttered so that God knows the mind of the Spirit. He knows the Spirit wants God's will done in my life and therefore the Spirit is pleading on my behalf for God's will to be done in my life. That is pretty exciting. See, this is the good news. While you and I may not know God's will in certain circumstances, God the Spirit does. The indwelling Spirit knows exactly what God wants. And therefore, He intercedes on our behalf when He knows God's will. And therefore, you and I can be assured of this, that His intercession on our behalf is effective even though it's an intercession that's not made with words, we can know that God, that God the Spirit's intercession on our behalf 
is effective securing God's help for us because the Spirit always prays in harmony with the will of God. God's Spirit is never going to ask for you and I anything contrary of God to His will. Isn't that wonderful? No matter what it is, never is the Spirit of God ever going to contravene the will of God when He pleads on our behalf. So when you and I get on our knees and we say, Lord, I have no idea what you're doing. I don't understand what your will is. But Lord, I pray that indeed your will will be done. The Spirit of God goes to the throne and says, I know what you desire, Lord. And that's what they desire. And he intercedes on our behalf. The Holy Spirit interprets our prayers to God and he makes intercession for us in accordance with God's will. God the Father knows that the Spirit's intercession for us is that God's will will be done. Therefore, God answers. You and I can have a confidence that our compassionate God understands just how we feel. He knows just exactly what we need. And he will respond to you and I in accordance with his will. What a wonderful blessing. In the midst of the trials, in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the burden under which we groan because creation is suffering from the curse of the fall, under this burden that you and I suffer with the flesh and all the consequences of sin, in the midst of all that, God the Spirit is coming alongside and he is helping us, aiding us, groaning with us, going before the throne of grace, making intercession for us, and saying, Thy will be done in this your child's life. And God the Father then intercedes and makes sure his will is accomplished in your life and mine. I can't think of a greater blessing for you and I as believers. Now as a side, the Charismatics use this verse to support tongues. But that's against the meaning of this verse. In one simple phrase, this, tongues are uttered, these prayers are not. Therefore, this is not supporting tongues. And that's all I'm going to say on that. But may God grant us understanding in this vital and important matter of prayer. As you and I thank God today that we always have the ultimate consolation that when we know not what to pray for as we ought. The Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And that he that searcheth the hearts knows when the mind of the spirits, for he maketh intercession according, uh, for the saints according to the will of God. Praise God for the indwelling Holy Spirit and his advocacy on our behalf. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning for your word and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. And Lord, uh, he is the member of the Godhead that so often we uh, don't give due consideration to. But Romans here makes it so clear that the work of the Spirit of God in our lives is so vital in this matter of our infirmity when we have no idea why you're doing what you're doing, no idea why you're allowing what's allowed in our lives, no idea why we're struggling the way we are, the Spirit of God groans with us, assists us, and pleads our case before your throne.
so that your will might be done. Father, thank you today for the Spirit of God. Thank you for your word. Come into our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name.